going on, guys? So we're super excited to share with you right now our interview with Brian Moran, the author of The 12-Week Year. Um, had some incredible conversation, insights into his world, his writing of the book, his business, uh, ventures, and, and all of the above. Some great tips. So thank you for those of you who sent in questions. I think you'll get a lot out of this, this interview. We certainly did. Um, and don't forget, we have a workshop tomorrow uh, or Thursday, whenever you're listening to this, where we reinforce the week, right? So we'll reinforce our podcast about the book Tuesday, as well as the interview with the author uh, that you're listening to now. So join us there. Feel free to ask any more questions, come with ideas, thoughts. Um, we just want to make it a killer experience. So with that, here is the interview with Brian Moran. Hey, welcome everybody. We have Brian Moran, the author of The 12 Week Year, my friend. Good talking to you, Brian. Yeah, great being with you. We're yeah, cool. We're on the Books to Business podcast, and I was talking to Eddie earlier this morning. I said this is like our dream. You're actually our dream guest. You went from having a book to building a business around it. That's kind of almost as interesting as the concept in your book to us as well. Uh, you know, it didn't happen quite in that order. We had the business first, and the book was just documenting what we were doing with our clients, um, which is kind of. The opposite of what most people do. Most people write the book theory and then try and build a business around it. We had had this business working with clients and then just started to document what we were doing. Yeah, That's that, really cool. That was one of our first questions. The, the business came before the book. Came before the book, yeah. Huh. Yeah. We're, I'll tell you a quick story. We were actually headed to a conference in financial services, LAMP. You're familiar with LAMP. Oh, yeah. And we were going as a vendor. And we were thinking about, you know, what shiny stuff do we leave behind and give out to people? And I had been wanting to write a book. So I said to Michael, I don't know if you ever saw these little pamphlet books. Price Pritchard used to put them out. Yeah. And uh, so we had a stack of those. And I'm like, Mike, let's just write a book like this. Let's just write something short and sweet. Forget all the fluff. So um, we wrote Periodization, 12 Weeks to Breakthrough. We wrote the book in 12 weeks. We went down to Kinko's and the big question was, hey, do we print 50? Do we print 100? You know, we don't want to go and bring them back. So, so we gambled. We printed 100, went to the show. We sold them all. And from that, we sold like 100,000 copies of that book. And that was the precursor to the 12-week year. In fact, the, the first 64 pages in the 12-week year is really that kind of original thesis. But we wrote that thing in 12 weeks, changed our business, changed our life. That's awesome. And I was actually going to ask you something about that. So one of the things that I, I loved about the book that really resonated with me is, um, you know, I, I really enjoy mindset, motivation, inspiration. And I feel like your book does a, a beautiful job of, in the beginning, explaining the why and talking about vision and, you know, seeing the opportunity, choosing to versus having to. And then you transition into, you know, all right, now let's make this real. Let's make this tangible. And uh, I love that. So it's cool to know that the, the beginning was actually the, the thesis and the driver of everything. And then from there, you sort of expanded upon it. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that we kind of, um, you know, we live the, the principles in the book in creating the book and creating our business. And, and so and we still live it. I mean, we we work from a 12 week plan every 13 weeks. We go off site, we review, we we assess and we lock and load and go again. That's interesting. Wow. That, um, yeah, because we, we are, um, you know, we're put, connecting the dots through this podcast. It started off as Eddie and I were, we used to, we live in Hollywood Beach, so we drive our bikes to the pier. And 
And we, I mean, the first thing we started talking about was a book we're reading, and then we, we were reading like similar books, and then I, then we started reading the same book. So we started a little mini book club, and now we turned it into a podcast. Um, and our vision, you know, we did our twelve week vision, um, or our, our three year vision yesterday. Uh, our vision was to have authors on, you know, that we review, you know, to have the authors just like this, um, and 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 be sought after. We it was a pretty fun exercise that we did about, you know, what does what does you know having a studio, having authors come to us, uh, you know, to launch their books because you were a New York Times bestseller. I mean, that little pamphlet that you printed at Kinko's that's interesting because that kind of yeah. dates the whole process. I don't think Kinko's exists anymore, but. Um, mid- midnight printing at Kinko's turns into a New York Times bestseller. How did that? How did connect the dots between those two things? Well, you know what happened was um, we started selling that book uh, just on our own, and uh, a friend of mine—I don't know if you know Chris Johnson—he speaks on health. Really, really great guy. Uh, in fact, you should have him on your podcast. Uh, I'll get you one of his books. But uh, Chris had gotten a hold of Wiley, and um, they were publishing his book. And made an introduction to his editor for us, and and we met uh, met with her, and she she loved the concept, loved the fact that we had sold so many books already, and um, but they wouldn't, you know, they're still old school. They didn't want to do a book that was fifty pages, mm-hmm. and we're like, you guys don't get it. That's why it sells so much. People will read it, and uh, but so they wanted a little little thicker book. So rather than compromising it. We did it in two sections and that back section, as you know, because you've read it, is more of a deeper dive. There's some exercises in it, uh, more more on the application of it. But that's how it came to be. I mean, they widely got interested in us because we had uh, we had sold so many on our own. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, connecting the dots there is uh, always always interesting. Yeah, Dan Dan uh, Sullivan, I just wrote uh, or I just I was just watching his podcast. Dan Sullivan writes a book every quarter. Always, always under a hundred pages. So he writes a book every. Imagine writing a book every quarter. Well, John Maxwell cranks them out. I'll tell you what, and they're right. not under a hundred pages. But right, yeah. Yeah. that guy yeah. could that guy could free talk for three hours. I don't know how you don't <laughs> run out of material. <laughs> yeah, leadership. See, we had a couple questions from our audience yeah, sure. for Brian. Hey Brian, uh, what's up, man? Uh, I actually had a question myself before I get to the audience questions. Did you were you always a planner, and this became like a master strategy that over the years was something you crafted, or was it something that you were a little something was a weakness of yours? Because as me as a creative, I always find myself planning is kind of a very weak spot in what I do, and I really loved in the book when you said that the planning saves time, it's not wasting time to plan. So I kind of wanted to see your backstory of, were you a planner growing up, or were you more of a sporadic type of actor? Yeah, it's interesting you say you're creative and you're not into planning, because planning is a really creative exercise. Wow. I mean, really about taking the future and bringing it into the present. But um, I I wouldn't say I was a big planner, no. I I was always, I've always been future-focused, and so, you know, there's an aspect to planning um, if you're future focused, but I didn't, I learned how to plan when I started working in business. I was with PepsiCo and I, district manager, and I was working with our managers and helping them just um, put plans together to figure out how to improve their operations. And, and that's where I started to get hooked on it because I saw the, the value of it. Wow. 
That's a, I like that you said that it's creative. I, I always find myself like writing a lot of things down and kind of refining my process. And the 12 week uh, plan that I started with these guys has been really, really awesome because it's a really great structure that seems to be so far really, really helpful for my own self. And I can't wait to see how the weeks <laughs> progress because I think it's going to be, like you said, the courage to keep taking uh, note of how you're doing and scoring yourself, I think is going to be really helpful. You know, one of, the, one of the reasons people get disillusioned with planning is because they're doing annual plans right. and they're conceptual, they're not tactical. And so they don't get executed. So it becomes this perfunctory exercise. You know, you do it because you're kind of supposed to, you know, everybody plan, work your plan, all that kind of stuff. You've heard that so many times that you do it, but there's not a lot of value in it. I totally planning is totally different than that. Yeah, so you're gonna, I think you're, you're sorry to interrupt, but I think you're in, hitting on the question that we have from our audience, which is from... Uh, Babar to quarter, it's an Instagram handle, but it's why is it much more effective to break from quarterly goals and move into that 12 week year? Yeah. So, so a quarter is what it's a fourth of a whole. And that's the problem. The annual cycle is too long a time frame. I mean, it's just too, it's just too easy to put things off. I talk about how in January, December looks a long way off. <laughs> and so um, even quarterly planning is still, anchored in an annual goal. And so the mindset is if I don't hit the goal, it's okay because I got this time to make it up. And mm -hmm. and here's the here's the crux of that is you may you may make up in terms of hitting the goal, but you can't make up capacity you left untapped yesterday or last week or last month. And and so what the 12 week year does, it stands alone. There aren't four of those in the year. That's annualized thinking. It's just this 12 week year followed by the next. And and the more you embrace that in your thinking, the bigger impact it has on your actions, the bigger impact it has on your results. And um, that annual cycle is just too long a time frame. It's just too easy to put things off. And quarterly is just part of that. So we have, uh, speaking of, of you know cycles, we, we have a lot of, of entrepreneurs that watch the show and, and they often reach out with questions about you know, the, the valley of despair, as you would put it. And, yeah. uh, you know, being in that, you know, um, I guess pushing to some type of, of change or journey or progression. And in the book, you tie that into your, your, you know, your plan, your 12 week plan. And I was wondering if you would elaborate a little bit on the tie in between having that plan, something to lean on and that valley of despair where most people quit or stop or say it's not worth it. Um, Cause I think that really hit home for a lot of folks. Yeah. I think there's some things that it's helpful to understand. And one is that this idea that we don't control the outcomes. I mean, all we control are the actions, the goals are the outcomes. We desire them. We influence them. We don't control them. And if we get too fixated on them, you know, can, it can really uh, shut us down, actually. It can stymie us. And so the valley of despair happens when we're going down a new path, we're experiencing the discomfort of acting different, right? Taking different actions. You're going to create a different result. You have to do something you haven't done before. There's a level of discomfort with that. And, and too often people bail on that discomfort. They reconcile that discomfort not by pushing through, but by bailing. And um, and it's easy to do because early on, um, there are no results from it, right? The results are always lag. So I'm having to take this action. There's some uncertainty around it. There's certainly the discomfort around it. Maybe there's some anxiety even. And, you know, how do I stay in the game long enough for it to start producing? And, and that's where the tools we have really help you do that. But it goes back to what, where we started, which is the compelling vision. Mm -hmm. if, you don't, if you don't have a powerful why, it's really hard to stay 
in that in that state where you're uncomfortable and where, and where there's some uncertainty. But that's how we get better. That's the only way to get better. Um, so when that starts to happen, recognizing that that is not a bad thing, it's really uh, the initial the initial indication that something substantive is changing. And so rather than leaning away, you know, what we talk to our clients about is lean into that. And how do you do that? Well, if you've got, if you've got a 12 week plan and you've got a weekly plan and you've got some of the other processes that we talk about, that's what you lean on. Gotcha. Almost like a requirement. I mean, would you, would you say it's a stretch to say that in doing so, like you're almost creating little victories so that you feel like you're accomplishing things when you really, you know, you're almost creating tangible checkpoints. Um, so that you continue to push through? Absolutely, you are. And, and right, all we control are the actions. So, am I taking the action consistently enough and long enough for it to produce the result? You know, too often we think, oh, I'll just do it a couple times and presto bango. You know, and I think society today um, really perpetuates that view that success is overnight, the success mm-hmm. curve is straight up. That's not the case, man. You guys know yeah. it's, a, it's a bumpy ride. And, and so what keeps you in the game is that heart. Where does the heart come from? Where does the commitment come from? It comes from the vision. It comes from the why. It's powerful stuff, man. You know, the, uh, what, you, what reminded me of what you said when, when, you're, when you're in that valley and you've you got to go to the plan. It's like a boxer. Uh, one of my friends is a boxer. He says, you know, if you're trained so well and you're a boxer, you're knocked out and you're still swinging on the way down to the campus because you're training. That's what you feel sometimes when you're in the valley. You like you want to quit, you want to you want to turn around. He's like, oh, give him my plan, my plan. will you know, yeah. you look to the plan. At least you know what to do. Because sometimes, yeah. in absence of that, um, in absence of that, you, you get lost. Well, otherwise, what happens is is we're we're choosing our actions based on our feelings. Mm. That's that's a that's a really tough road because some days you're going to feel like doing it, some you're not. Mm. Yeah. Some days you're encouraged. Some days you're not so encouraged. Right. So so that's why that tactical plan really matters. Yeah. And I love the, the Phelps, uh, the Phelps metaphor that supports that. It's like it's like, you know, it's not the metal. It's what he did before that. And he didn't feel like it every day. He fell on his processes that he put in place like that really hit home for me. It's like you're not going to feel like it every day. But if you have that 12 week plan, that structure to lean on, that's a different story. You know, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. That 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 process. Right. That's why. That's the whole concept of process control is installing process and events into your world so that you can lean on them. Because even the most disciplined people, as you know, some days aren't as disciplined. And if all you're relying on is personal discipline, it's it's a tough climb. And some days you're going to execute and some you're not. So there's a lot of inconsistency in that. And there's a lot of frustration in it where if we lean on the processes and we lean on the systems, then we're much more consistent with it. Not perfect. You don't need to be perfect. Just got to be more consistent with the things that really matter. Yeah, as we had um, we had 25, I think we're in our 25th week, if I'm not mistaken, or 26. And all the books that we read so far, with the exception of a couple, were all ideas and new, you know, new and different ideas or, or uh, concepts. And, you know, you can't implement a concept. You can't implement an idea. And the 12-week year should have come in the 12th book. <laughs> we, gave, we gave all these nice, concepts yeah. uh, about how to execute and how to deflect noise from your vision. Um, you know, one thing I did, I, I don't think I mentioned last night, but, you know, I called Brian after because I had, I had done his training, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, Brian, when we first met. 
been a few years. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, of course I got sick, and I'm you know I've, I've trained in the twelve week year, which is about ninety days, and and um, you know I, I got sick, and you know I sold my business, and I was I was I'm waiting for a, a tr- liver transplant, and. In doing so, uh, you get this report from the doctor, and he calls it a MELD score, which is the model for end-stage liver disease, and it's a 90-day predictor of your death. And they give it to you in a percentage. And my pers- my first MELD score I got was in September of 2016. He says it's 72. I said, what's that? He goes, you have a 72% chance of not being alive in 90 days because the, you know, they, they rate your blood levels and everything. So I said, so I have 90 days. I said, well, at least I know what to do. I have the, the tools to, to plan 90 days out. So I had all these things I had to do. Uh, some of them weren't fun, like you know, collecting my insurance policies and getting on claim for different things. But uh, after I survived, I, I reached out to you right away. I said, hey, the 90-day plan came in handy in a, in a way I bet you it was never designed for. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. We had another client. Um, we actually had her in and... and uh, had her to dinner and, and videoed her, but she was uh, terminal with cancer. Mm-hmm. And she talked about how, you know, she couldn't planning for a year or two years out. It was too much unknown, but she could plan for 12 weeks. And that's what she did the, yep. the last uh, probably 18 months of her life. And uh, it was really inspiring to hear her talk about that and, and the difference it made for her. Yeah. That's, that's one of the things I love. That. I mean, there's something for everyone. There's obviously business application, but there's personal application too. You know, and uh, one of my favorite parts, and maybe this is more on the the individual level, but it's like the message that you state that I feel like everyone needs, particularly millennials, is not being a victim. Mm. And it's just so powerful, even when it's things out of your control or, you know, um, if you say that you'll never be the victim you always are in control of your destiny your outcome and you phrase that as kind of like step one like before you do anything you have to understand that um and i was reading it and i was just like yeah this is so good so good people need it people need to hear that yeah because transform transformation can happen right in 12 weeks i mean uh, in fact my my book is called a 12-week plan for recreation you know that actually blended into my book superhero self uh how to recreate recover from anything and recreate yourself in 12 weeks. Uh, that's a, you know, it, it's, it's possible. And if you do it in a year and you get into week 11 and you're not losing the weight or you're not reading the books or you're not, you know, making the, the hard decisions about, you know, changing your life, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll get diluted. You know, that's kind of a, a, you know, this book has so many applications well beyond, um, you know, business for, sure. for me, especially. So I want to thank you for that because I met you as an introduction from uh, a company. We flew you out to New Hampshire. You spoke for our group, and we implemented 12-week plans, and our business grew and exploded from there. I yeah, remember that. I remember that. Yeah. that. That accountability piece is huge, though, because there's it's it's easy to look outside ourselves, and it's easy to um, you know kind of give away our power. Um, we don't control the circumstances, but we always have choice about mm-hmm. how we respond, no matter what the situation is. And we may not have the same choices as someone else, but we always have choice. And, and that's, that's at the heart of accountability, recognizing that you have choice and then taking ownership of the choices that you have. And it's fundamental to being success in any area of life, whether it's relationships, whether it's with your health, with you, Terry, taking control of that. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you had to take ownership of your situation and your choices you were making. And 
um, or whether it's your business and career. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's a, that's just a fundamental concept. In fact, that's our, our, our next book. I was telling uh, TMAC, we just signed another agreement with Wiley to do our next book and it's all on accountability because it's such a powerful concept. Definitely. Tell us a little bit about your company real quick, Brian, because a lot of our listeners are business owners. Uh, how, how someone would use the 12-week year company um, you know, in, in your tool. I know you have online applications, and I've used most of your tons of worksheets and stuff like that. Yeah, we've evolved over the years as well, but we have, um, we have online programs. Um, we have kind of training done for you where we do it virtually. We'll train your team in a week, you and your team in a week, 90 minutes a day. That's a new program we're pretty excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, gotten some really good feedback on it. And then, um, you know, we also do individual one-on-one coaching. Um, and that, that program is probably where we have the biggest impact because of, you know, we're with people for 12 months or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our coaches are W-2 employees. They're not contracts. So we, they're, they're, they're excellent in the 12 week year, they're excellent coaches. And, the, and the, the combination of that is just is deadly. We also do, as you know, because I was out to your office, we do live trainings um, for groups in, in their office, private trainings. And then um, occasionally we'll do an open enrollment event, you know, where people come from all over the world. You know, what's cool now is people have been trained to do business like this. So now it could make the online products a lot easier. As you know, that are I think the online interactions that I've had, there have been many, more so than usual for sure, but they're just as effective. I mean, a lot of them are just as effective. You have all the tools available. You can do a lot of demonstrations using the sharing capabilities. I can see that as an awesome product, the online training. Well, it works pretty well. We use, we've been using Zoom for a couple of years now with our coaching clients. So it's one on one, so they're face to face, but uh, and it it works great. That's awesome. That's cool. Um, if I if I can, I mean, I, I'm curious to sort of pull back the the hood on on your journey. So with the the products that you have right now, and obviously a very successful you know consulting business, coaching business, was that um, part of your original vision, or was that did you find yourself from you know the 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 starting point was that a series of pivots and adjustments and um, what did that look like for you? It was a little bit of both, to be, to be honest with you, right? We had a vision about how we wanted to grow the company, the specifics about the programs and what the marketplace would respond to. Um, you know, I've, I've been coaching for 20 years, but it was mainly just me. Mm. And so initially that wasn't something we looked to scale uh, because there's a lot of overhead in hiring coaches and housing them and mm. things like that. Um, but as we look back over where we were having the impact, that's where we were having the greatest impact. You know, Terry, we went into your office and we did a one-day training. We might have done a little follow-up. Mm-hmm. And that, that has an impact. Yeah. Um, but, but we could have a much greater impact when we're with people for a period of time. And so we looked at that coaching and we said, you know, what? Where we're, where we're having the biggest impact is through the coaching. And so we need to figure out a way to scale that. And I've got a friend, Brian Buffini. I don't know if you know Brian. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian's got one of the largest coaching companies in North America, mainly with real estate agents. He's out in San Diego. Great guy. He's from Dublin. He and his brother Dermot. But their their mother's maiden name is Morin, which is Moran in in Ireland. And so we joke we're brothers from two different Moran mothers. But um, (laughs) but I I went out and visited him and looked at his operation and how he was doing it. Brian was really great, shared everything, learned a lot from him. And we said, you know, Given the impact we're having, this has to be one of our core deliverables. Um, 
And so that's, that's when we began to scale that. That's such a powerful message to relay. So it's like it's like understanding where the value is, the mm-hmm. greatest value, which really only happens through execution, as you would say, pinpointing those and then readjusting so they become the center point, the main focus. Yeah. I think a lot of people will benefit from hearing that. Coaching cool. has grown so much. I mean, just the, the concept and the acceptance of coaching um, in the last five or six years, I think. I can't believe it. I mean, it's such a, yeah, such a, if you think about it, I'll, I'll plug our coaching for just a moment because what makes our coaching so effective is we're coaching you on your business in your life, but we're using the 12-week year as the platform to do it. And, mm-hmm. and TMAC, you know, when you do that, there's, there's clarity of expectation, there's mm-hmm. transparency with regard to execution, there's evidence of whether or not it's working. So it's the, the ultimate coaching system, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's being – that's being installed and that's what we leverage. And so it makes the coaching conversations much more purposeful, much more meaningful. And, and so the clients have, have greater results faster than they would without the platform. Yeah. Cause it gives tangible, a tangible, uh, common tool for the coaching exercise. Absolutely. Because so, usually if you engage, I've had a lot of coaches over the years and everyone has their own stuff. This is the only, this is the only tool that has survived Three decades or two decades. <laughs> it's the only tool. Everything else has been come and gone. You know, uh, this app and that slip and you know the, the binders and flip cards are all gone. This is a this is a <laughs> this is a tool that has survived. And you know, I, that's why we wanted to have you on. Uh, perfect timing, and I, I just love I love the book. And we we we're, we did our first phase of the twelve week year yesterday. And one of the one of the things, Brian, that we wanted we want to have in the twelve week year uh, in our twelve week year uh, in our vision was a summit of the greatest authors we know uh, in a live event, you know, like authors, great authors, great business yeah. book authors. Uh, we'd like to have you be a part of that. Love to be part of that. Yeah. Be cool. That's awesome. The execution. Cool. I have, uh, I don't know, um, one quote that gave me chills when I read it and I'd love it if, if you could just touch on it for a second. Um, you, you said, you know, we spend some, or by, by trying so hard not to miss, uh, everything, no, by trying so hard not to miss anything, we unwittingly miss everything. Um, and, and I love that. I wanted to make a point to, uh, to, to ask you about that and, and the impact that that's had on your life. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of a commentary on society, isn't it? I mean, we're so busy trying to do everything, we're not good at anything. And and uh, and I think I think the joy in life is not not being mediocre at everything. Mm-hmm. It's finding your sweet spot. It's finding out what really matters to you, and you, you know, being being great in the things that really matter. Um, yeah. And that's hard to do, right? Because because we have limited capacity. And, and so there's always one more thing we'd like to do. And it's not, that's not a bad thing. That's mm-hmm. a good thing. But, but every time we take on one more thing, it just becomes increasingly difficult to accomplish any of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. we, we going through that with our plan yesterday. We realized, I mean, this is a, a line of sight to the things that are most important. Right. So I, I just thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you pulled that out. Keep us in the loop on the next book. Yeah. Um, we'd love to bring you on for that book. We have uh, Barry Michelson yeah, wrote the tools. He's coming on. He, he wants to come on for his next book. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'd love to do it. Anything else, Steve? I just had a quick question. Just uh, we ask all our authors, uh, do you have any books that you personally recommend to our audience to listen to, uh, to read, listen to, anything like that? 
Yeah, there's a bunch of, you know, my favorite book, I think, though, is Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways by Susan Jeffers, Dr. Susan oh, Jeffers. Wow. It's a it's a small little book. Um, I think it went out of print for a while, but it's back. You can get it on Amazon and Feel the Fear and Do It Anyways. It's a, it's a really great book. She talks about how she studied successful people. And, you know, I think there's this notion for folks that you think you see someone that's more successful than you are in a particular area and you think they're fearless when, in fact, they're not. Mm -hmm. And so what she realized is that everyone has fears. The successful people learn to just do it anyways. And so um, it's a really great book on you, kind of the mindset of, of success and, and how to overcome the barriers we put on ourselves. Nice. Right. Cool. All right. Yeah, we want to respect your time, Brian. Um, <clears throat> thanks for taking the time. And I uh, hope we, we break out of this. You get back to Michigan, and uh, we'll, we'll see one another soon. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. Thank All you. right. Thanks a lot.